Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 238. My name is Douglas Wilson, and I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for coming along. So um, what are we going to talk about this time? Well, I'd like to talk about the managerial problem, the managerial problem. One of the things that the last couple of years has revealed, uh, both in the overreach that is being... um, pursued by what you might call the administrative class or the managerial class and the resentment and the kicking back the uh, uh, the revolt, the populist revolt that is going on. Um, you saw it in the, the election of Trump. You saw it in the Brexit vote. That's sort of the populist um, reaction to the um, to what the administrators or the managers uh, superintending our global um, economy are up to. Now, here's the up to, up to a couple of years ago, I think many people would have argued that the main difference between um, political parties is left and right issues. And this is not to say that um, left right issues are unimportant because I think they're very important. And and a philosophy of limited government and constitutional government really has a place, and we've got to find a place for it, right? Uh, so that's, I'm, I'm not trying to say that that's a nullity or that's not an issue. But most of, the, most of the conflict today is being driven by class issues. Um, the elites at the top and the people at the bottom. Uh, and the people at the bottom might be... Um, blue collar workers, you know, day laborers, or they might be small business owners, white collar, you know, someone who owns a car dealership or something like that, as opposed to the managerial class, which uh, is plugged into corporations and businesses and uh, government entities that operate on a scale that would have been scarcely imaginable to someone like Alexis de Tocqueville. So in 1700, how many bus- in 1700, how many businesses had over a thousand employees? In 1800, how many businesses, how many corporations had over a thousand employees? Well, today, um, many people work for co- companies that are just like, just like that. They have hundreds or thousands of employees. That phenomenon didn't start to take place until the rise of the big railroad uh, companies in the 1800s. So what this is the problem. When you have a business that grows to a certain size, you're going to have, you're going to have to have, you're going to need to have a managerial class. You're going to need to have a strata in there that does administration. You need bookkeepers. You need schedulers. You need planners because nothing that scale can be operated coherently unless you have them. You need a managerial class. But there is an implicit political bias among managers. And 
one of the political biases that you find among managers is that things need to be managed. And that's a leftist impulse. Okay. You're, you're, the chances are pretty good that when you, uh, when you go into the, um, let's say you go into a big corporation like General Motors or a big um, uh, outfit like Amazon, if you find someone in a mid-tier administrative position who's got libertarian convictions, the chances are pretty good that he doesn't think like a libertarian when it comes to the people who report to him or the people who are under him. He might vote libertarian, but he, but he thinks like a manager. And managers think that people need to be managed. Now, this is a real problem for um, uh, Christian conservative startups. Uh, let, let's say take um, let's take some uh, wildly uh, wildly successful conservative startup operation. Um, I'm not picking. I I don't have any specific info about this. I'm just giving you, a, for instance. Uh, an outfit like the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire. So they they are uh, starting to run with the big dogs. They're starting to drop serious money on different entertainment options. Just saw their announcement that they're going to spend $100 million on entertain, wholesome entertainment for kids. Okay, now, I'm not, uh, I'm not talking here about the, their creative abilities or anything. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just saying that when you have an operation that can drop $100 million on, on something like that, you are going to need managers. You're going to need a man. And, and the problem for conservative outfits is how to keep the managerial class on task, uh, doing the bookkeeping the way they ought to, without managing things in ways that they ought not to, right? You don't want the managers to get too big for their boots. So here's the managerial problem. Um, James James Burnham, who used to write uh, for National Review, wrote uh, in a very prescient way a book called The Managerial uh, Revolution. He was um, he was pretty uh, he had he had a kind of glass half empty approach to the future. He wrote another uh, famous book called Suicide of the West. Um, and his book, The Managerial, Revolu Managerial Revolution, saw this problem developing, saw this problem taking shape and called it. And, and I think that this is a more profound political division than the left-right division. I don't want to say the left-right division is not a problem, but conservatives have their own managerial class. Conservatives have their own tendency to want certain things managed. So there you go. The managerial problem. If you have a, uh, and this same thing applies to denominations. It applies to parachurch organizations. It applies to conservative startups. Beware of the managers. Always will be Continuing on with the podcast, episode 238. Welcome to Hamartiology. And the next word we're going to consider is uh, Eleinos. E-L-E-E-I-N-O-S, and it means miserable. So let's look at the verse to consider the nature of the sin. Revelation 3.17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, there it is, there's our word, wretched and miserable, 
the second word there, and poor and blind and naked. So, the nature of the sin appears to be grounded in self-deception. If someone is outside picking up rocks in the rain, he would no doubt be miserable. But he would know his misery, which would seem to take the sinful element out of it, right? He would be miserable, and he would know that he was miserable. So his condition is unhappy. But if he were picking up rocks in the rain and he thought he was picking flowers in a sunlit meadow, the chances are good that he was lying to himself. And so there'd be a sinful element involved. So these people in Laodicea in Revelation 3, these people in Laodicea are kidding themselves. And that is where the problem lies. Because thou sayest I'm rich, the, the problem is not being wretched. The problem is not being miserable. The problem is being miserable and not knowing. The problem, being, the problem is being miserable and not understanding that you're miserable. That's a sin. So, because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This may be implied in the other use of the word as well in, um, in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Let me read that again. If, if in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Paul is arguing that if Christ did not rise from the dead and we were trusting in him anyway, we would be doing so from a place of self-deception and hence would be most miserable whether we knew it or not. So if Christ um if Christ really did stay in the grave, if Christ really was not raised uh, to life for our justification, but the Christian message was being preached anyway, and I was uh, dumb enough sap to believe it, and I trusted in this risen Christ who was, in fact, not risen, Paul's saying, I, of all people, would be most to be pitied. I'd be really miserable. And I'd be miserable not knowing that I was miserable, and that's that would be the uh, uh, the basis of the misery. That's why he would call me miserable. So uh, we come now to the book review portion of our podcast, podcast, excuse me, episode two thirty eight of our podcast. Uh, the book I'm reviewing this time around is No Mere Mortals by my friend uh, Toby Sumter. Uh, This came out a few years ago, and uh, alas, I just now got around to going through it, just now um, uh, went through it, and was really uh, encouraged and blessed and pleased with this uh, sort of one-stop shopping uh, approach to some of the basics of uh, the, the marriage teaching that has been sort of foundational to our work here in Moscow. Uh, no Mere Mortals is a book that grew out of um, Toby's premarital counseling course. So uh, before he would do weddings uh, for people, he would take them through this material. And what he did is he took these lessons, uh, these pre-marriage counseling lessons, what to expect when you're about to get married. And he um, shaped them into a book and this is a really solid primer. It's just a very good, um, if you have, if you know of a young couple that are just getting started, they're just got engaged or they just got married, uh, this is a great book 
to get them off on the right foot. He, uh, he covers all sorts of um, basic things. And these basic things that he's covering are things we used to be able to say, oh, but that goes without saying. Well, no, it doesn't go without saying anymore. Remember, we just went through uh, a period where uh, a nominee for the Supreme Court position uh, declined to answer the question, what is a woman? Because she was not a biologist. So nothing goes without saying anymore. Um, men are the head of the house. What does that mean? A uh, woman is to submit to her husband. What does that mean? Uh, a woman is to be devoted to her domestic duties. What does that mean? What does it mean for a husband and wife to keep short accounts with one another so that they don't let sin um, accumulate and clutter up their marriage? How, how are a husband and wife supposed to keep their sexual life pure from outside, outside taint and entanglement? Uh, these are all basic questions. It's sort of like um, the rudiments of marriage. This book is just uh, a wonderful, lively, fresh approach to the basics of marriage and the, the sorts of things that you, uh, you hope and pray and wish that young couples growing up and headed toward marriage uh, would have picked up somewhere. But hey, look, look at the world around. There are all sorts of reasons for suspecting that a lot of people didn't get a lot of memos. There, there are things that, uh, that have gone missing, uh, things that didn't get covered, things that didn't get taught somehow. Um, this is a really good primer. So if, you, uh, if you're a pastor and you're uh, wanting a book to have the, your, the college uh, group in your church go through, or if you want a book to accompany um, uh, your pre-marriage counseling, if you, if you go through a course with uh, uh, couples who are going to get married uh, where you're going to conduct the wedding, uh, this would be a good book to start uh, giving to them to prepare them for the journey they're about to undertake. So, No Mere Mortals. The title is taken from um, a quote by C.S. Lewis saying, you've never encountered a mere more mortal. All of us are going to live forever, either in glory or in uh, utter misery. And that means you're not married to a mere mortal. You cannot marry a mere mortal. They are, um, your husband is going to live forever. Your wife is going to live forever. And you want to be a help and an aid to them as they are growing increasingly like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Before I go, I want to let you know that Rebecca Merkel's documentary, Eve in Exile, is streaming now on Canon Plus. Eve in Exile offers us a truly potent answer to feminism and does this by providing much more than a mere negative critique. This documentary provides an alternative vision, one that is biblical, stirring, and positive. Too many conservative Christians have assumed that a biblical worldview of femininity consists simply of being not feminist. But this is lazy, negative, and at the end of the day, just reactionary. In our day, feminism has come to its full fruition such that we cannot even define what a woman is anymore. Providing a true biblical alternative, this documentary defines what a woman is, the glory of man, and provides a glorious picture of what that womanhood is for. If you enjoy the content on this channel, you're going to love Even Exile. Just head to MyCanonPlus.com and subscribe to watch it now.